Amen. Psalms chapter 22. Psalms chapter 22. I've been asked, are you nervous? And I said, no. There's so many speakers here that I'm hoping just a little bit of oil will rub off on me. So I feel like I'm the sixth man, but I'm just happy to have a jersey. Amen. Psalms chapter 22. When you're there, say amen. 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 Psalms chapter 22. We're going to start with verse 14. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones, everybody say bones. It said, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax that's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot herd. My tongue clings to the jaw, to my jaw. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I cannot count all my bones. They look at, they look and stare at me. Divide my garment amongst themselves. My clothing they cast lots. Two more verses in this passage. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. I'm going to read one more verse. John chapter 19, verse 36. John chapter 19, verse 36. John speaking about the crucifixion elaborating on what the prophet was speaking of in Psalms chapter 22. And he says, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of his shall not be broken. John says that the prophet said it and now we see it in fulfillment that not one bone was broken. I'm going to talk to you about the place where bones meet place where bones meet if you could set your bibles down i just want you to lift both your hands and we've already done it but i just want us just to engage the presence of the lord one more time could you lift your voice right where you're at and just begin to talk to him just want you to tell god god whatever you want to do in me this week through me this week i give you liberty for your power to flow father right now in the name of jesus god i thank you i thank you god that you're in the room Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God, I'm thanking you, God, that there's liberty in the Holy Ghost this morning. I pray, Father, that you would have your way. I'm thanking you for miracle signs and wonders to follow. I pray, God, that right now you would loose my tongue as an oracle of your kingdom. I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost would begin to fall and let your power begin to heal, begin to set free. Begin to loose every captive. And we thank you for what you're going to do. And if you believe it, could you lift your voice and shout unto the Lord. Come on, if you're excited for what God's going to do, lift your voice and shout unto Amen, amen. The place where bones meet. Look at two or three people. Tell them you look better than I do. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
I think one of the greatest blessings that could ever occur in somebody's life is to hear a word from God. I think it's a privilege that God would take the time to speak to us. I think it's an honor that we can show up into the house of the Lord, hear something from the messenger that wasn't conjured in the back room of an office, wasn't extracted from a library or parchments from books, but that something was found in the spirit where God put something in his bosom that he would release to us. Greatest opportunity that we have as individuals is to hear a word from God. I think the greatest blessing that could ever happen to you is not that God would just bless you financially or that God would add favor to your family. Neither that God would give you academic status or accolade amongst men, but that God would speak to you because if God can ever speak to you, he can adjust the place that you're in. I would go even further to say that if God ever speaks to you, that more than just changing external things, that God has the power to adjust internal issues. I think the greatest thing about the power of God, that he does not regulate his word just on surface level things, but God's power is so great that he can take the deepest sinner that has been entrenched in wickedness and not only adjust their action, but change their nature. Are you thankful for a God that still has the ability to speak some things? Amen. 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 I think, I think the greatest privilege that we can ever have whenever we step into the building is not just the great music that we hear. It's not just to sit in the great auditorium that we have. It's not just to fellowship with the body of Christ. And those things are precious and we do not take that for granted. But I want to remind you that the premier focus of every service is that when you walk into this place, there is an expectation from deep down within that God would begin to speak something into your situation that would adjust who you are. I am of the persuasion that the people that have gathered here this morning are not people here to be entertained. You have not come just to dibble-daddle in the spirit, but you want to weigh out into the waters of the Holy Ghost and allow God to speak something to you. And can I tell you that there is a prophetic unction in this place for you? Amen, 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 amen. It is the greatest blessing. It is the greatest blessing to hear from God. But I would also suggest to you that although hearing from God is the greatest blessing, the greatest frustration that you will ever handle in your life will come from a word from God. Amen, amen, amen. Can I tell you, it, it is a paradox that the greatest blessing can also be the greatest frustration. I, I, I think of Abraham, that when Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, is being called by God, and he is the son of an idol maker. He has a lucrative business ahead of him. And for some reason, God begins to survey the earth and sees that Abraham's children would honor what a God 
God would say. And the Bible begins to relay the fact that God speaks to Abraham and begins to tell Abraham, Abraham, I need you to get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from the father's house unto a land that I will show you. Can I tell you that the premier thing that the word will change is your context. Something happens whenever you get a word from God that it will adjust the atmosphere that you live in. Can I tell you the frustrating thing about hearing a word from God is the place that you were once content now becomes a place of frustration and condemnation because something in you understands that I was called to do more than this. Something you begins to realize that I was called to do more than this and all of a sudden the place where you were comfortable now becomes a place of frustration because although it is the greatest blessing to hear a word from God it is the greatest frustration to hear a word from God because when you leave this altar and hear where he called you to go church as normal just doesn't satisfy casual things don't satisfy the mundane just doesn't satisfy because something has called you from where you are to where he's wanting you to be Stay with me just a little bit. Stay with me just a little bit. I want you to realize, I want you to there are moments, uh, there are moments that when we are going through this thing called this Christian journey and we hear a word from God, the frustration that begins to ensue because when you're at the altar calling, God begins to prophesy over you deliverance, but you're still struggling with the same things you battled before you came in. You're frustrated. When you're at the altar calling, God says he wants to send you revival, but you haven't taught a Bible study in over two years. You become frustrated. When you're at an altar calling, God said God's going to bring unity back into your family and backsliders are coming home but it's been six months since you received the word and you haven't heard anything yet it's frustrating there is a frustration that ensues when the word of God comes but I would tell you that frustration is the motivating factor of any believer because once you get frustrated enough with where you're at you'll have the ability to get up from here and go over there when you get frustrated with this you'll be willing to reach for that Amen, 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 amen. I want you to understand, I want you to understand that is this thing called the word. Everybody shout the word. The word. I'm going somewhere. It's this thing called the word. It's this word that we deal with. This word that we handle. John was very acclimated with the word. And he, he begins to say in the beginning was the word. It was the word that was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. But then he begins to say that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Amen. I don't know if it's ever intrigued you, but think about what God is saying. He's saying this word, this pure thing, this holy thing, this thing that cannot be tainted by man's hands, this this thing called the word, the promise of God, the logic of God, the reasoning of God is now found in flesh and dwells among us. He says, he says the word wasn't afraid to entangle himself in humanity because it realized that, that, that I'm so pure that even your impurity can't change me. Amen. That I'm so righteous that your unrighteousness 
can't change me. And he said, the word was in flesh. And I think it's powerful because he said, we beheld his glory. And can I tell you the process of glory is when the word entangles itself in flesh. Amen. When the word is willing to entangle itself in flesh. And he says, it, it dwelt among us. That means it stayed there for a little bit. It didn't just come and passing and go. I want to help you this morning because there are times where we quit on people before we ever see glory because we're willing to look at the flesh but we bypass the word that's in them but can I tell you when you're willing to dwell with someone a little bit and saying I see your humanity but I also see the word that's there glory begins to emanate from them I, I know you're still struggling but but there's still a word there and when word and flesh mingle and we're willing to dwell with you a little bit. Amen, 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 amen. I, I, I want to take the crux of my message and, and I want to relate to you the reality that sometimes we forget the frailty of being human and, 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 and we, we, we disregard the fact that God works with frail things. Because the Bible begins to say that it was that word that dwelled in flesh and then it says we beheld its glory. Sometimes we're not willing to wait long enough for glory to be revealed through humanity. We're so occupied trying to impress the other person that we won't be honest about the area that we need help in. So God has no place to reveal glory. Hosea chapter Chapter 7 verse 1 put it this way he said I wanted to heal Israel but then I remembered the sins of Ephraim he said I wanted to expose my power but then I uncovered what you were hiding I wanted to show you my transformation but I saw you weren't being transparent and when I exposed what you were hiding it limited my glory because you won't come to the reality that a word and flesh can coexist till glory is produced Amen, 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 amen. I want to help you this morning because there are times where we hide. We're attempting to hide those things. Can I tell you that, that, that there are moments where God wants to anoint us on Sunday, but he sees what we're hiding on Tuesday. Man, there are times where God wants to do something with us uh, on Wednesday night services and we ask God to anoint us to sing and just like Israel he says I, I, I wanted to do something with you I, I, I wanted to show you my power but then I saw what you were hiding it's not that I was unaware of it it's just that you wouldn't talk about it I saw the fact that you wanted to be used but I also saw what you were hiding on your phone I saw the fact that you wanted to preach but I saw the bitterness that you were hiding in your heart I saw the fact that you wanted to sing but I saw the fact that you also had impure motives and God says unless you're willing to be honest about what you're hiding I can't give you my power I only expose glory to those that are willing to mix the word with their humanity Hallelujah. clap your hands into the Lord if you believe I tell you I tell you that sometimes Sometimes we're afraid of failure. Yeah. Talking to Pentecostals that, that, that look good. You sound good. But we're afraid of failure. Can I tell you that there are some things that failure can teach you that fasting cannot. Can I help you this morning? Amen. 
Can I tell you that David, after David's sin, and in Psalms chapter 55, we see the repentance of David. The Bible says that after God had dealt with David, that then God begins to produce something in David. That man is called Solomon. And Solomon would be the one that would build the temple. Isn't it shocking that God would use the product of failure, mix it with grace, and use that to expose his glory? Can I tell you there are some things that failure will teach you that fasting cannot? Because when you fail, you realize it was not me, but it was Christ which dwells in me. I wish you would be a little honest this morning and say, God, mix your word with my humanity. You may be seated. Maybe seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about this thing called the word, this thing called humanity. Because when you begin to realize that there are some things that you cannot learn while you're consecrating, but there are some things you learn after falling. I'm not talking about living in sin, but I'm talking about a God that is able to stay with you when you fail. That's what's so powerful about God. It's not that He stuck around when you were at the altar but that he stuck around when you were failing in your bedroom not that he stuck around when you were running the altars but on Wednesday morning when you're being influenced by people you shouldn't he's still there I'm talking about a God that can stay with you until glory begins to emanate amen 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 I want you to realize I want you to realize that God could use any one of David's kids but God decides to use Solomon funny thing enough is that Solomon's name just means peace means peaceful after failure David finds peace realize I, I, I couldn't work for this but I just found peace amen so when I realized who he was and who I wasn't, I was peaceful with the reality that I'm flawed, but that he's calling me towards perfection. I think the greatest hindrance that we could ever present to you is a presentation of being flawless because flawless fruit is not a real fruit. And I'd rather you have something that's presentable to God than have something that is altered. I'd rather you come to the altar and say, I'm struggling and find peace because God can do more with you when your failure is reconciled with his grace than when you hide what you're dealing with. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. God, 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 this, this same God that wrapped himself, wrapped himself in flesh, this word made flesh, this word made flesh begins to dwell amongst the people of God. He begins to dwell amongst the people of God. And as he's making his way, he's, he's collecting disciples here and there. He, he finds Peter and he calls Peter. He finds Andrew and he calls Andrew. He finds, he finds uh, Thomas and he calls Thomas. He finds Judas calls Judas and as he's collecting these disciples he's, he's attempting to teach them principles that only the word can show them he's attempting to show them he's attempting to show them his power he's attempting to show them his might and in this process uh, there's a discourse that takes place in the gospel of Mark and, and all of a sudden they're bickering amongst themselves they're talking about who, who, who's going to be the greatest amongst us who, who who's going to sit at the right hand of God who's going to have the privilege of, of riding shotgun with Jesus who's going to be the one that Jesus calls to be used on platform who's going to be the one that's highlighted and Jesus has to take a 
take time and he pauses and he begins to talk to them. He says, you have to realize that if you're going to be great, you need to be a servant. But I tell you, there's nothing wrong with pursuing greatness. The issue is attempting to be greater. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. But God is displeased when we're attempting to be greater. Because when I want to be great, I look inwardly. But when I want to be greater, I look outwardly. All of a sudden, I'm no longer focused on the kingdom. I'm just focused about passing you. Now let's go somewhere this morning. Can I tell you, I think passion is great. But when it's focused on being greater, when I need to be greater than you and do more than you and have bigger things than you and a greater anointing than you, then we lose focus. Can I tell you, we need to come back to the place where we're pursuing greatness, but not wanting to be greater. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I want you to realize. I want you to realize that there are times where we struggle. Where we struggle with our humanity, and we struggle and we wrestle. We wrestle with attempting to find our own purpose, our own spot. And in that wrestling, we can begin to climb. We can begin to climb. We're climbing ministerial rings, trying to get to the top. But can I tell you that God never called us to climb a ladder? He called us to climb on a cross. I want to help you. I want to help you this morning. Because when you climb ladders in five, six, seven years, you fall to sin. There's a reason why. But you cannot fall off a cross. You can fall off ladders, but you can't fall off crosses. And I think there comes about a time where as young ministers, I'm talking to young ministers, I'm talking to people in my peer group, that we stop competing with each other, trying to clap the climb the next rung of ministry trying to see who can climb the next platform who can climb to get the next mic who can climb to preach at the next conference and find a place to climb across because there's plenty of room at the cross for you and me when we run out of space on the ladder of ministry I want to help you. I'm going. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going somewhere. I, I want to help you. This is why some of you are so frustrated. This is why some of you are, are so discouraged because God's trying to tap into your appetite. God's trying to tap into the essence of your being. He's trying to stir you. And the reason is, is because Peter had to go through the same dilemma. Peter finds himself that he's waiting for some food to cook. He makes his way to the rooftop. And as he's on the rooftop, the Bible says that before he eats he begins to have a vision and God begins to present food to him and in this food this food was representation of what would be his brothers so God said before you're willing to accept your brother I have to affect your appetite the reason why some of you can't stand someone else being greater than you because you don't have the right appetite God hasn't tapped into your hunger yet he hasn't starved you to the place where you're no longer concerned if God uses me to do it or if God uses me to sing it or if God uses me to preach it but I'm so hungry for revival that if God never uses my hands to bring it into ex God has to frustrate you to the place where you can tolerate your brother being blessed beyond you because you're hungry for something greater than yourself 
Abasata. Uh, I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you this morning. I want to help you this morning. Can I tell you? Can I just be honest a little bit? Can I just be honest out a little bit? I, 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 I fear. I fear that we that we've made idols out of preachers. I fear that 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 that, that we've made idols after preachers, and we've deified humanity and humanized deity. Man, I want to help you this morning. Because all of a sudden, it's all about what can I do. And every vision you get is all about what you're preaching. And every call you get is about where you're going to go and what's going to happen with you. And you don't know the last time you had a dream about somebody else. Uh, and you're just like Joseph. God's having to take you through a process because you're so caught up on what you're going to do and what, not why you're doing it. You forgot that it was about the kingdom and made it about you. You thought it was about your solo and not the glory falling. You thought it was about what you preach and not someone getting delivered. And it's about time we come to the place where we put glory where it belongs because it does not belong on my humanity but it belongs back on the one who deserves glory I, I want to help you this morning because, because there is a wrestling that always takes place and I understand it you have to realize I, I came into this thing when I was uh, about 15 years old I was really hungry I was, to make long story short I was seeking the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost I've read in the book of Acts when people see the Holy Ghost they spoke in other tongues I'm of the persuasion that there's hungry people out there I'll tell you how hungry I was I was calling pastors asking them if they could help me receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost Oh, and a different church is asking them if they could help me receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So, uh, so, so I'm hungry for this thing. And when I got into this, when I got into this, I started, started seeking after, started seeking after the mantle. Man, started seeking after an identity. Started seeking after, uh, started seeking after a reputation. I wanted, wanted to do something. Wanted to do something. And, and I, I, I kept on reaching and fighting for something. Kept on reaching and fighting for something. Kept on reaching and fighting for something. Until one day I started to realize that the last thing Jesus gave before he died was his garment. Last thing Jesus gives up before he dies is his garment. He gives his identity. He gives up the mantle. Isn't it so incredible that on one level they're fighting for his garment. While on another level, he's sacrificing. One level, they're fighting for the mantle. On another level, he's giving up his life. I would suggest to you that sacrifice is always a lever higher than gain. They were trying to gain a mantle while he was giving his life. Trying to say you're still at feet level when you're trying to gain. But if you want to come up here... You better learn how to sacrifice it. Uh, uh, maybe seated, maybe seated. Maybe. Want to help you this morning? Want to help you this morning? Because the reality is, the reality is, I'm talking to people that I understand. I'm talking to people. I, I, I get you. I know I'm not preaching hard, but 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 I want you to realize I, I get you. I understand you. I understand your zeal. I understand your passion. But we can be so focused on trying to get something. We can be so focused on trying to get another anointing, trying to get another word, trying to get another call, trying to get another assignment, trying to get another agree we're just trying to get something we're just trying to get something can I tell you the only apostle who left this earth with more than what he started with is Judas 
Judas is the only apostle who left with more material possession than what he started off with. And we could be so focused on trying to gain, acting like Judas, forgetting that Jesus was about giving. He could be so focused about what are they going to say about me? How am I going to look? I need to, I need to gain reputation. I need to gain prosperity. I need to gain success. I need to gain a name. And Jesus is staring down at you from the view of Calvary and saying you'll never get up here until you finally learn how to give. When's the last time you prayed for the person next to you and said God do for them what you would have done for me. Give them a greater ministry than you'll ever give me. Give them a greater anointing than you'll ever put on me. Because when you finally learn to give you will find success in him all across the building lift your hands and just worship him for a moment clap your hands unto the Lord clap your hands You may be seated, you may be seated. Uh, I want to tell you, I want to tell you the reality of this is that when we are attempting to find identity, we are lifting purpose. You cannot choose both. You can seek purpose and find identity. You can seek identity and lose purpose. Jordan, I want you to come up here. To realize, to realize, God is strategic. You guys ever wake up Christmas morning? I mean, you guys that had good parents and they got you gifts on Christmas. Some of you guys had those. I mean, you guys from the island, your parents thought it was a gift that you had a house. Popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Amen. You woke up Christmas morning. All of a sudden. There's gifts that are there. Isn't it interesting that gifts were always that for you to ever pick up a gift, you had to be willing to get on feet level. And there's some of us that bypass gifts at the altar because we're waiting for Pastor Myers to pray for us. We're waiting for Josh Herring to pray for us and Bishop Morgan and Pastor Elves because we don't ever want to get on feet level and we bypass the gift that was laid at our brother's feet because we think we're too good for it and that's why we can't be used because you all get on feet level I pray you would get hungry enough to break a knee of pride and say God if you laid it at my brother or sister's feet, I'm willing to get on feet left. Thank you, thank you. Wanna help me, wanna help you. I want to help you. How many, how many altar calls? We always talk about the power of God. How many miracles were waiting for you, but they were waiting at your brother's feet. 
Oh, it's trying to be used. Oh, it's trying to do something. How many gifts of the spirits were waiting for you, but they were waiting at your brother's feet? But, 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 but you were just too prideful. Don't you know who I am? Yes, that's the issue. We know who you are, and we don't know enough about him. No, don't, don't you know my name? Yes, that's the issue, but we don't know his name because you're too consumed about yourself. Because if you would ever realize that I was called to be a servant, because if I'm pursuing greatness, I have to be willing to get at feet level. Can I tell you why God was willing to descend with gifts? It's because he found gifts when he descended. Because before you can ascend, you have to be willing to descend. Uh, clap your hands unto the Lord all across the building. Clap your hands unto the Lord if you're willing to go down a little bit to find something. Come on, lift your voice if you're telling God, I'm willing to get down there to find something. Sit down, sit down for me. Ah, sit down for me. Interestingly enough, the, the older you get, the bigger you get, the lower you have to go to find it. See, when you were young, you didn't have to reach that low. Four or five-year-old would walk up to that box. That box would be right where he was. All of a sudden, at 14, you got to bend down just a little bit lower. Then at 40, you got to bend down a little lower. And, and, and here's what's crazy about it. The older you get, the harder it is to bend down. Because you've gotten so used to standing at this posture that you don't know how to get down there anymore. And, and we stunt our spiritual growth because of our pride. We, 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 we can't sustain hunger because, because, because we're so critical about what our brother has. And, and, and here's the problem with the brothers of Joseph is that they were willing to talk about their brothers, what Joseph did, but wouldn't talk to the father. Because if they talked to the father, they would have had another opinion of Joseph. They would have realized that their brother wasn't there to compete with them, but their brother was there to save them. And can I tell you, we spend so much time talking to our brother about a minister, but we won't turn around and talk to the father. When you're willing to talk about somebody and never pray about them, your motives will never be right. But if you could ever come to the place to realize that you were here to help me not compete with me. Uh, I don't know how long I've been preaching, but I'm going to come to a close. I'm going to come to a close. Stay standing with me. Stay standing with me. I want you to realize, I want you to realize that the scripture that I read, the scripture that I read begins to talk, prophesy about Jesus Christ. And it talk, it's talking about the crucifixion that would take place. The psalmist is attempting to express the agony that Jesus would go through. He's attempting to relay the pain that Jesus would go through. Hear me tonight, hear me this morning, that as Jesus is going through this pain, the psalmist has to remind Jesus that not one of your bones will be broken because the place where bones meet is at Golgotha's Hill and when bones meet at Golgotha's Hill flesh is torn but the body remains <laughs> the place where bones meet is where flesh is torn but the body remains. When your flesh that has pride and ego is willing to break a little bit for the sake of the unity of the body, that's where the blood is revealed. Amen, 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 amen. We, 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 
we sing about the blood, we, we, we talk about the blood, but the blood only shows up when flesh gets torn. The blood only shows up when flesh breaks. And God begins to prophesy through the psalmist and begins to say your flesh will be torn. But he says not one of your bones will be broken. Can I tell you what these times have proven? Our flesh is being torn. We're being torn in our pride being destroyed. We're being torn in our agenda being destroyed. We're being torn in our wills being destroyed. We're being torn in what we thought should happen when it should happen being torn. But while the flesh is breaking, the body is being sustained because there is strength in the body that cannot be found just in the mere flesh. And the scripture relays that when the flesh was being torn and the body was being sustained, the blood was being revealed. We love the scripture. I love it just as much as you. But it gets to talk about how precious it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What does he say? He says, it's like the oil that ran down Aaron's head. Came down his beard. He said, even touched the edge of his garment use that for submission and I think it's appropriate I think there is a downward fall of the anointing that happens through submission but I don't think it's only talking about submission I think it's also talking about connection that God made you with an intrinsic weakness that you can't satisfy by yourself but then he also made a sister over here with an intrinsic strength that she can't release by herself but when the body gets connected, when bones begin to meet and flesh is torn, he said, it is like the oil and, and, and your strength begins to touch my weakness and, and, and your power begins to touch my frailty and, and your faith begins to touch my sickness. When we begin to connect together, something begins to happen. All across the building. I want you to hear me and I'm going to conclude. It was at Calvary that Jesus was stretched to reach someone else. I'll tell you what's going to take place. My, my assignment is just to establish a spirit of unity. And there's going to be demonstrations, so I'm going to do that. But can you crucify your flesh just for a moment and could you stretch yourself towards someone? I know a lot of times we lift our hands towards God, but I just want you to extend that hand toward a brother. Because what you don't realize is as you're extending yourself towards them, your healing wasn't at the altar, it was in them. Your word wasn't at the altar, it was in them. And I just need to know this morning, can you break the knee of pride and reach out and get a hold of a brother this morning. Shalama, nalama. Healing's in this place because your brother came here. Power's in this place because your sister walked in the room. Because when we get connected, Shalamanda, that's it all across the building. Lift your voice. You're waiting for your pastor to give it to you. You're waiting for the prophet to give it to you. But the power is in your brother. Shalom, 
Come on, let's lift our hands unto God right now. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. If the angels bow at your throne, oh Lord Jesus, what should stop me if angels should lift up and worship you with everything they have? And what should stop me? Jesus, I surrender unto you. I give you everything that I am, oh Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Angels bow before your throne. Miracles happen in your name. What a mighty God you are. Angels bow before your throne. Miracles happen in your name. What a mighty God you are. Angels bow before your throne. Angels bow before your throne. Miracles happen in what a mighty God you are. Angels bow before your throne. Angels bow before your throne. Miracles happen in your name. Miracles happen. What a mighty God you are. Angels bow before your throne. Angels bow before your throne.
spoke to me. The thing you've been waiting for to receive in this conference is laying at the feet of your brother. The thing you've been wanting God to do in your family is laying at the feet of your sister. I wonder if you have enough gumption in you, if you have enough hunger in you to find a brother or a sister and begin to pray over them. Hear me? Because when you release what you have, God can trust you with what he has. I want you to find somebody if they're next to you and you feel comfortable too and you're bold enough to pray at their feet. I know this is a little bit different, but you're bold enough to pray at their feet, not because you're worshiping them, but because you're giving them what you have, because you have enough confidence. God's about to give you what he has. The release is about to enter the building. The miracle you've been waiting on, the power you've been waiting on, the deliverance you've been waiting on. God says it's here, it's here, it's here.
There is no one else like you. 